If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. What's up and welcome back to the Kind of Funny Games cast. Of course, I'm Tim Geddes and I'm joined by the new face of video games, Blessing Adeoye Jr. Do you think Michael B. Jordan watches his anime in subbed or dubbed? Oh, don't start that. <laughs> Do not start that because I fucking guarantee he's a dumb boy. Oh, you yeah. know what I'm talking about? 100% Night a rifle, Andy Cortez. Hey, nothing What's wrong with it? What's wrong with dub? Nothing man? wrong with Come dub. People want to hear a cool acid dub. Let dude. me tell you about Yu Yu Hakusho, one of the dopest <laughs> dubs you can watch. How do you feel about that? I mean, I'm subs for life, but uh, I don't. I don't begrudge a dub if it, if it, if that's what you need to watch it. <laughs> I don't like, mind. I'm, a I don't dub. begrudge I don't a dub. Mind, everybody, I don't mind a straight dub. from the mouth. Oh, yeah, it's yeah. More Hussein, thank yeah. you so much for joining us today, Tam. I'm really excited that you're here for for a bunch of reasons that we're going to get to in just a little bit. Let me get through the rigmarole. Of course, this is kind of funny. Gamescast, where each and every week we get together to talk about video games and all the things that we love about them. Uh, you can get it on YouTube.com/slash kind of funny games or roosterteeth.com you could also get it as a podcast by searching your favorite podcast service for kind of funny games cast and we'll be right there for you if you want to get the show ad free and watch it live as it's being recorded just like futon fies rise hawk and a wayne 07 then you got to go to patreon.com slash kind of funny games just like our patreon producers delaney twining and tripod plus plus we Thank appreciate you. all of you so very very much uh if you don't have a buck to toss our way that's cool if you're on the epic game store please use our epic creator code kind of funny and at no extra cost to you we get money um in the chat, Jeremy Don says, no Andrew, Andy intro. I, I, I did a quick one. I threw it in there. But just, just in case anyone's unclear, I'm Tim. This is Blessing. That's Tam. Okay. And that's Andy. Okay? Uh, we have yeah, Barrett on the ones and me. Yeah, you're not going to call him the Nitro Rifle, Rudin, Tootin, Shootin, Texas Street. Hold on, hold on. Let's try. Latino Heat. Give him, give him the whole thing from the, the start. The te- I don't know. I don't know. The Texas Street, Latino Heat, clicking heads and ripping them to shreds. Headshot. The three-point shooting. The globe trotting. The uh, gobstopping, the headshotting, <laughs> gobstopping, the root and the root and shooting, three point shooting, three point shooting, and that verse. I, got, I have to clarify that verse didn't even exist until Nick just shoot kept shoehorning in root and tootin. <laughs> Him and Greg kept shoehorning in root and tootin. I said, well, it's just all alone. Rhyme it with three point shooting. Yeah, I love it. That makes sense, mm-hmm. Tam. You know, yeah, yeah, because yeah. you know I'm such a sniper from out deep. Show the Steph Curry of this. I know exactly. Uh, of the games yeah. industry, best shooter yeah. in the games industry. A shooter in the games um, industry, everybody. The big claim. Andy mm-hmm. Cortez, the Nitro Rifle. Today we're brought to you by Shady Raisin Honey, but I'll tell you all about that later. Now that the rigmarole is over, I want to personally thank Tamo Hussein for being mm-hmm. the greatest person I have ever met in my life. Wow, he's been so good to me. For, for many, many years. <laughs> wow. Um, but last week, he, he gifted me something very special. He came up to my desk, and he gave me a, a, a two-scale diorama of the Toretto household from Fast and Furious <laughs> that is now next to my That's desk. That's what that was it. from. <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, I know what it is, but I didn't know who where it came from. Yeah, it was me. It was so <laughs> we were in L.A. with, um, it was me, Lucy, James, and Elise Willems, friends of the show. And uh, Elise was telling me that she saw, like, a range of incredibly boring, like miniature, like scale figures and stuff like that. And one of them was the Toretto household. And I saw it and I was like, 
this is the most plain thing I have ever. It's just a replica. There's no like cool colors. There's no like special cars in there. It's just the backyard and that's all the front yard, one of them. And I was like, I have to get that for Tim. I need I to get that for Tim. Appreciate the hell out of it. <laughs> yes. uh, but that was only the second nicest thing you did for oh, what? that week. Because you, you told me something very special. Mm -hmm. You're like, you know what? I'm going to Super Nintendo World. Yeah. And I was infinitely jealous of you mm. immediately. Mm. But then you're like, and I'm going to interview Miyamoto. Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. And I was like, dude, that is the coolest thing I've ever heard. And I was like, I got to do the most selfish thing I've ever done. Yeah. I wasn't selfish at all. To ask you to get my copy of Super Mario All Stars signed, mm -hmm. my very first video game I ever owned. Yeah. And Tam came through. No way. Let's go. No Super way. Let's Mario go. All Stars signed by Miyamoto. He even did a little Mario. Oh my God. A That's Mario awesome. in the signature. This is my very first video game I ever owned. Some would say it's the greatest video game cartridge of all time, and they wouldn't be wrong. Includes every 2D Mario from that era. Fantastic stuff. That's mm -hmm. the coolest. And now it's emblazoned with Miyamoto's autograph. So mm -hmm. thank you so much for that. Wow. That is it, truly incredible. That is yeah. amazing, dude. It's really cool. It's like, freaking cool. I got so I, badass. I got there and like went for my I went before my interview and found the person who was like uh, handling everything and immediately was like, before we talk about this interview. I need to uh, clarify that I need to get something signed. Like, please, can I get something signed? Can you check if it's okay? Like, I don't want to upset him, but I want to make sure that we can get something signed. And he was like, all right, I'll go and have a look. And he was like, he's probably only going to... They came back eventually and they were like, all right, he'll sign stuff. Um, he'll probably only sign one thing. And I was like, uh, that's fine. Your thing is what I was there for. And I was like, Thank I'll you. get that signed. Um, and we went in and like did the whole interview um, and at the end, I was like, please, can you sign this? And I told him the story. I was like, this is for my friend, Tim. This is the first cartridge he bought. This is his actual cartridge from childhood. And he, Miyamoto was very impressed. And he was like, he did say, I'm honored. I love um, it. And then he, and so he wrote amazing. it down. Yeah. And then afterwards, I was like, you want to sign my Switch? <laughs> and then he signed my white Switch That's uh, awesome. controller. So I've just like got that as well. Um, but yeah, he, was, he also stole your Sharpie. So... Tim, I love it. <laughs> the next vehicle you get, that's the hood ornament. Oh yeah, just exactly <laughs> right yeah. on the. You front just there. put that in the front. Also, how dope is this little like that's awesome really cool, thing yeah. that I got? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah I don't really remember where cool. I got it. But I just googled Real it. But cool. It's cool. Very He's, cool. Yeah, he was very nice as well. I mean, so like, I want to start the show there. Like, yeah. you got to hang out with Miyamoto in yeah. Super Nintendo World. Was, <laughs> give, was, give me the give me the the highlights of the Miyamoto side, and then also Nintendo World. It was yeah. So the so we went there. So I I got a call from them and they were like hey <laughs> would you like to come to nintendo world and and interview miyamoto and i was like oh, damn i really want to but also i was incredibly busy at that time and um i was like it hurts to do this but i think i'm gonna have to send someone else instead we had someone who was already in la and also going to nintendo world that day to be there and i was like okay appreciate it can we have this person interview him instead and they were like mr miyamoto has requested your presence and i was like can we just uh, <laughs> I don't, take that i don't in for I, a I think that is like the pr saying like you know you have to do this but also there is a chance now that somehow miyamoto knows who i was before i met him i and love like, that when you told me that it like broke my brain where i'm like that, <laughs> you were the single coolest it person on the planet terrifying because he doesn't have an online presence that we know of that which we means, know of. And which means that Miyamoto is on Twitter 
He's he's one replying to kind of funny. He's like, fuck the Vita, bro. We use where it's at. Was he Nebelian? Will we ever know? <laughs> Maybe he was Nebel. Um, but like, and that means like, there's a good chance he knows me through my work on GameSpot or here or whatever it may be. Also could be Twitter. And if it's Twitter... That is terrifying because oh. I am just on, I'm wilding out on Twitter. You just, just wishing <laughs> happy birthday every <laughs> yeah. other day. <laughs> yeah. I'm just doing bullshit on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Miyamoto wishes you a happy birthday again. <laughs> yeah, it's like the wrong day again. I like, oh, fucking L from Miyamoto there. But yeah, so I, I was like, okay, I can't turn this down. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and also like I was, wor- I was on a bunch of deadlines as well at that time. I was like, okay. Um, <laughs> I didn't get out of the app, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> that was like a scary, like, <laughs> fucking, <laughs> now, like the thing moment. Um, so I was like, okay, cool. Um, it was like an overnight trip, basically. Um, I went down there. Um, they had like a, a uh, opening night event, and I didn't go to that because I was too tired and had stuff to do. Next day, woke up, went, went over, and basically had the perfect experience that you can have in... Um, in Nintendo world. Um, so I went to Universal a year, like last year, after Game Awards. Um, it was like me, Lucy, Skill Up, and a few, uh, J- uh, Jake Baldino and um, Gerard, the completionist. And we went and um, we had basically a guy, uh, that one of Gerard's friends, kind of take us around. Um, so I went back this time and he was the first person I saw. Awesome. And he was like, Hey, what's going on? So I was like, oh shit, I know someone here already who's going to help me through this stuff. Went to Nintendo World and it was incredible. Like Nintendo World is, I'm not one of those theme park freaks that gets really into theme parks. Like I love going to Disneyland because I like Dole Whip. That's why I go to Disneyland. I don't give a shit about any of the rest of it. I love being there with my friends, getting Dole Whip. I'll ride some of the rides, awesome, whatever. So I went to Universal. I've been to Universal. That was my first time going to Universal. Uh, no, that was second time, sorry. I went to, well, last time I went, it was like I went to on a few things that I was there for the mummy mainly. Of course. They didn't have a lot of the mummy. They had a lot of Tom Cruise era mummy stuff. I was like, all right, whatever. But um, Dark universe, never forget. I was impressed by like, I even I was like, oh my God, this is awesome. And I was talking to, who was I talking to? Was it Blessing? No, I was talking to Barrett earlier. Um, and Universal is like, whatever for me. Like, it's a bunch of like, you know, themed weird areas, IP. <laughs> weird IP that are mushed together. But like you go into Simpsons world and, you know, Springfield or whatever it's called. And you've got a bunch of like buildings that are like, oh, most heaven or this kind of thing. You go in there and it's all very Simpsons. Like you come out and you're just on a street, like you're on a street in on planet Earth in America, whatever. That's Hollywood. And it's, and it's, exactly. And it's the same with like Harry Potter land or whatever it's called. Hogwarts? I don't know. What it's called. Yeah. Um, I forget the exact. Yeah, yeah you go there yeah, and yeah. it's like, oh, this is, you know, Gringotts or whatever. And like some of the streets look good, but ultimately, like, you turn around and you can still see like Joe Schmo uh, trying to eat a pretzel over there and it's like, whatever. And you can see other rides and stuff like that. The difference with Mario Land is it basically is built in a fishbowl. And once you, so like, you walk in and you walk through a pipe. And there's clearly some sort of like laser across the pipe that you can't see because when I was walking, when you walk through, it like trips the laser and it plays the sound of you going down the pipe oh, to, yeah. to like signify you are now going into the Mushroom oh, Kingdom. God. You walk through there so and you walk I'm like, not even there and, right you're, and you basically walk through um, the castle. So like you're walking through the castle. Is Peach's castle music playing? Yes. There's, oh, there's very, mm-hmm. It was like cycling through a bunch of music. I can't remember if Peach... But it was definitely playing music from Mario 64 or, or that era. 
Um, and it's got like the the um, the mural of Peach up top. It's got the paintings, uh, six, oh. Mario sixty four paintings, and it's doing the like. Are the, they LED screen? Like they're ripple affecting, oh and they're like God. going between areas and characters and that kind of stuff. Damn so you're dude. like, okay, this is sick. I'm going then, in, guys. Then, I'm gonna make the jump. Yeah. <laughs> can, can you not like? Can you? Shut the fuck up. No, okay. <laughs> I'm like, it, it, is it super hard to not get emotional? Because like when I go to theme parks and yeah. I see everybody super happy, it's like we're all here for one reason because we love this thing. And I always get teary eyed. Like this yeah. is like the one place where there is like just 100% happiness. Sure. Like your little yeah. kids, yeah. like you know, maybe a little yeah. kid shit on the ground. You're like, I'm fucking kidding. Okay, that kid's happy ground. though. Yeah. yeah, you're right. That, that's exactly how I felt. Yeah. Like it was, it was weirdly emotional for me because... I mean, I, I imagine it'll be exact the same for you guys and anyone who like has loved Mario, Mario, uh, in in their lifetime. Nintendo, there's little Nintendo things there. Like it's primarily Nintendo world, but if you look close enough, you will see a Pikmin, like like just somewhere. Lakers head, um, get stoked. Yeah, um, but yeah, it, it was it was quite emotional because when I walked out of the castle and was like there, it's like like I said, it's in a fishbowl, so you. Kind of like how they build the Star Wars land. Yeah, right? like it's, it's, it's everywhere. You feel like you're there. If you look around, it's just Mario stuff. You can't see Harry Potter World or Mummy Ride or like, you know, the toilets are over there. You are in like the Mushroom Kingdom. And it's quite, I, what I really loved about it, it's very manageable. Like it's not, it's, I, I did pretty much everything in a day. But obviously, I had an ideal experience where it was a very small group of people and there was no other like public people there. But it was just like very doable. Like it felt like a hub area where you walk that way, you're in something, you walk that way, something, 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 something. The, the whole thing about it is like, it's got one ride, which is the Mario Kart ride. It's like an AR thing where you jump in, you're sitting in a cart, um, you've got a steering wheel, you don't actually steer. It's on a, it's, I believe it's called a dark ride where um, you're basically uh, on rails, but they put an AR headset on you. And when you look around, you will see the other races. Like other people are also in carts, but you're not playing against them. You, you look around and you might see like, you know, a Koopa or, or like Daisy oh, or whoever oh. just like coming by. Um, and then you've got buttons on your steering wheel, which when you press it, will fire a shell. And the point of the, the game is you try and hit as many of the other races as you can because they drop coins and you collect the coins. And at the end, it will tell you whether you on Team Mario collectively have got enough coins to beat Team Bowser. Very simple, fun. I did it like twice in a row. And Does it was it like, like the mask gets dirty. No, it was fine. It was like okay. It it, it didn't. It it felt fit, fit really snugly as okay. well. So it was comfortable. Um, and it's got like it's basically like a a tour through all of the most iconic like Mario Kart levels and ends on Rainbow Road and and that kind of stuff. So it was really cool. But that's just like it's got one ride, which is like cool. Um, you get that done, and then you're just basically left to explore the world. And it's got a very game design esque um, kind of setup to it where. There's loads of things in the in the park that you can kind of like discover and find. And one of the things that they kind of nickel and dime you on is you get this like strap, like a, a watch thing, which you buy. It's like $30. And you, I got a total one, I think it was. You get different themed ones. And it basically, you connect it to your app and it keeps track of everything you do. You take it away with you, you come back again and you add onto it. And um, it's got stuff like if you find the the yellow blocks, you hit it with your arm with the with the actual um, watch on, and it will make the coin noise and add those coins to your to your actual watch. So you're racking up coins. 
It's got like in the app there's stickers which are unlocked by doing achievements. Classic Nintendo. Which will be like oh stickers. yeah, the stickers are. It's exactly like the stickers in in uh, in the games. Like it's the that kind of is stuff. like the online sucks. Like <laughs> the online activity is there. They're bad. Wi-Fi is terrible. You see people glitching around as they walk around. But yeah, you do like these little challenges and stuff like that. And over time, you like if you do a challenge here, you you complete this one challenge, you can like. There's four actual activities, and they range from like, oh, press the flip the flip the colors and make them all match, and you got to hit loads of buttons. And if you do all of them and complete them, you unlock four coins. At which point you can go to, um, I think it's one of the Coopers' castles and like challenge them, Cooper Kids' castles and challenge them. Uh, that's like fun. But then there's stuff like, oh, the sticker might be, oh, look for the airship. And you go upstairs, you find the, like the telescope thing, periscope, oh, cool. and look around, and it's not always there. So like you got to cool. like really look for it and come back and hope that you see it. And when you do it, it kind of logs that you've done it, and it will add that sticker as an achievement. There's these really cool things which we found right at the end, where just around they're like these weird like emblems on the wall, and we were like, "What the hell is this?" And then the guy who we were with, who uh, like uh, that friend of ours, was like, "Touch your watch to it." So we touch our watch to it, and then this looks like a normal wall. Like just a straight up stone wall, touch our watch to it, and then like an eight bit Mario appeared above it, and like it played like, like unlock. It, it was so weird. I was like, because you can't tell there's something there. Once you know it's there, you can see the faint outline of whatever tool they're using to like make it come in there, bulbs or whatever. But like that's everywhere as well. So then I was like, oh shit! Now I got to walk everywhere again and find these damn things so I can like that's cool. rack them up. That was really cool. The gift shop has got some like exclusive stuff in there. I really love the cafe. Or they put they clearly put in a lot of work into making the food good and also making it Mario themed. And we I had the perfect experience where it was like because we were there as like a preview thing, everything was free. Um and we could just basically line up, get the food over and over again. So I got to taste not taste, but like I had a limited selection because I can't eat everything on it. But like the people I was with basically got one of everything, photographed it and tried it and Everything they said they ate was, they were like, this is really good. Everything I ate was really good. So, like, it's, it was fun just sitting down and, like, they got these little mushroom plates and you take the thing off and you eat out of it. And it was really cute. But, yeah, top to bottom, like, I highly recommend going to Nintendo World. I think probably wait until it's calmed down a bit because right now, the, like, the lines are probably crazy. Um, and there's probably so many people there that you won't get to do anything. But even if you go there and just look around, it's impressive. And the thing that I, I interviewed Miyamoto after this, and we talked a lot about uh, the interviews up on GameSpot.com. We talked a lot about, you know, his achievements and that kind of stuff. And like I wrote the interview up and the one thing I, like the angle that I went for is like Mario, Miyamoto is one of the most, perhaps the most influential, like iconic, legendary creators of our time, right? And he's achieved so many different things to the point where it's kind of impressive that he can find new ways to, you know, new frontiers to conquer and like theme parks is one of them like it's wild that he's got he's completed so many like achievements in games that he now is is in theme parks and movies like that kind of stuff and I, we always talk about how influential mario is to us and like we some people have been lucky enough to tell him to his face this is probably the first time he can stand in a place enveloped by his creation and see the impact it has on people around him like i was like walking around and and seeing people like joyously playing with things and like being just like euphoric at what they were seeing. Like they'd hear a sound 
and just be like overwhelmed with happiness or they spot a goomba like walking on a on like somewhere on a on a castle rampart and it would like overwhelm them and they'd be like so excited in the way that we were and i was like i'm feeling like quite emotional seeing that happen imagine being the person that created it yeah. and like standing there and being like i can visibly and tangibly see the impact i've had on people's lives because the things that i've made have inspired this love and warmth towards that and it's like i think it must be like crazy for him right now and like it's gonna get even wilder because the movie's gonna come out and then that's gonna happen oh, and yeah. it was just like fascinating to talk to him about it and he was very humble about the whole thing and he was like yeah i'm very happy and he was like i love the people at universal they put in the work and it was really cool and yeah it's just i think it I think it's one of the few times that I imagine he's been humbled by something, like the, the, the impact of something. I definitely was. And I was like, it's weird because you also have like a sense of pride. Yeah. Because you're like, you're walking around, this you're is like, ours, man. Yeah, this is ours, <laughs> this is ours face. Get fucked, Mickey. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what it's like, where it's like you, you look around and you see some people who are just like, you, you can tell that they probably aren't invested in the same level that you are. But there's like a bond that you have you with everyone. Like, you don't know. Yeah, yeah. you don't yeah. know. You don't know how many times. the real Mario. Yeah, jokes. exactly. This never played Mario Maker. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's it's just like one of those moments, that, and they're so rare. Like we, they're so rare outside of the games we play. Where you know you play a game, and a really good game will reinforce how good it feels to be into video games, right? Like I play games like the From games or Street Fighters or Mario games, and. I finish playing them or like I'm playing them. Uh, the thing I come up with, away with is always like, damn, I love being a gamer. Or I love that games exist and they're constantly wowing me. It's so rare to be able to go outside of that, those, that sphere and just be like, I described it as, do you remember when you were a kid and you were in love with something like be it Mario, Ninja Turtles, Power Rangers, the first time you saw like a Mario t-shirt or oh, a, yeah. and you were like, this exists outside the TV like that kind of feeling because i remember being like that with i think it was like dragon ball stuff where when i saw my first like dragon ball t-shirt it became my priority to have it because i never knew that it existed outside of like the 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 tv cartoons that i watched i mean it when i saw what? the mario movie at blockbuster yeah like i lost me and kevin lost our minds yeah we're like there is a movie and we were kids we yeah. loved it we were stupid but like that it was that moment of like are you there's more of this. It's yeah. not just video games. Like That's how I felt with the Sonic cartoon. <laughs> to all so of what it. the fuck? How? Yeah, Whoa! Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> yeah, and that's that's exactly how it feels. Where like you go there and you're like, this is crazy. Like if I felt like that again, like I remember being like, I'm all about this. I'm all about getting that Power Rangers or whatever it may be. So like that, it, it kind of overwhelms you, and it kind of and it sounds quite like um, saccharine, and it was to a large degree. Like I kind of you have to let it envelop you and whisk you away and sure. not be cynical and mm -hmm. it's difficult to do that in this day and age and i'm quite a cynical person anyway just because years of being in this industry and reviewing games and you know the turnover all that kind of stuff but i was like i'm just gonna let myself get swept away by this and it was it was like really really enjoyable and really really heartwarming and kind of affirming in a lot of ways so just gonna take some shrooms and see yeah exactly see what happens see what happens but yeah that was the whole Nintendo land is great and then we spoke to Miyamoto and I won't like lay out what we talked about or anything but he was just really charming and really humble and like the main standout of the interview was like um you've always been compared to like the Disney of games and now you have a theme park comparison like how do you feel about it and he was like yeah people call me the Spielberg people call me like the Disney I don't like it 
um, I'm, I'm Miyamoto. And I was hell like, yeah, hell you yeah. You're you Miyamoto, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Don't you forget. That's so yeah. cool. I love that, Tam. Well, thank you again for this. That is absolutely incredible. I can't wait to go to Super Nintendo World yeah. myself. Uh, I'm going to give you guys a real quick word from our sponsors. When we get back, it's time for the topic of the show. Shout out to Shady Rays for sponsoring this episode. Look how cool I look. You too can look this cool. Our friends at Shady Rays have you covered from the sun to the slopes with premium polarized shades, customizable snow goggles, and so much more. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost and broken replacements. If you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. They'll also provide 10 meals to fight hunger in America with every order and have donated over 20 million meals to date. That's fantastic. There's no risk when you shop with Shady Rays. Their team always has your back exclusively for y'all listeners and watchers right now. Shady Rays has given out their best deal of the new year. You can go to ShadyRays.com and use code KINDAFUNNY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. Try for yourself. These are five star rated by over 200,000 people. Again, that shadyrays.com use the code kinda funny shout out to honey for sponsoring this episode honey is the easy way to save when shopping on your iphone or computer and thanks to honey manually searching for coupon codes is a thing of the past and we all know there's nothing better than the feeling of saving money honey is the free shopping tool that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart when you check out the honey button appears and all you have to do is click apply coupons you wait a few seconds you see the fun little dancing guy honey searches for coupons and it finds you the best ones and then you just watch the prices drop we here at kind of funny have been using honey for years and it's helped us save thousands on tech costumes food you name it honestly i just love how easy it is to just set and forget and save that's the best part honey doesn't just work on desktops it works on your phone too you just activate it on safari on your phone you save on the go if you don't already have honey you could be straight up missing out you can get paypal honey for free at joinhoney.com slash kind of funny that's joinhoney.com slash kind of funny hi i'm daniel founder of pretty litter cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter that's why i teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create pretty litter its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80 percent less than clay litter Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So here is the topic of the show, everybody. Um, on Kind of Funny Games Daily, you can write in uh, with your topics by going to kindoffunny.com slash KFGD, right? Of course. Your questions, your comments, your concerns, all of that. And every once in a while, we get some really good reader mail. So yeah. good that we're like, we're going to turn this into a Gamescast topic. And that's exactly what's happening here. So Jake Bakes Cakes is uh, one of the more iconic KFGD question writer inners, right? Correct. Um, they always give us some good topics. We end up going on for a while. Do you think they got a rivalry with Manny Bagel Boy Sanchez? Potentially. You know, the cakes. Big, big cakes in the sand. Yeah. You never know. Bro. They don't like each other. <laughs> it's a big rivalry. Um, but Jake Bakes Cakes inspired Others, like JMAS, to write in uh, with similar questions to get us going and conversating. Um, this question is, inspired by some of Jake Bakes Cake's questions, I thought we could play a game. Since it's not only review season, but also kind of prediction season, I was wondering how you think the next non-DLC installment or game from different PlayStation Studios will review compared to the last game, 
better, worse, or the same. And then he gave a list of some of the upcoming Sony titles we know about and being blessed that on Games Daily. I want to take that idea and expand it to not just PlayStation things and not even necessarily talk about will it review better, more just a gut. Will it be better? Will it be worse? What do we think? What do we want to add to that? What do we like kind of this. expect some of these things will like be? This. You know what I mean? We don't need to get as detailed or not detailed as we want to about all these things. But I have a list here of all the big sequels. And some of these aren't even sequels. They might just be follow-ups from a studio. That, so it won't always be, a, is number two going to be better than number one? Sometimes it might be, will... Um, um, Starfields be better than Elder Scrolls or, or Fallout or something like that. So it uh, could, be, could be kind of fun. But I want to start off with the ones coming this year, specifically the ones that have confirmed release dates. So uh, going kind of in that order, the next big one, Star Wars Jedi Survivor. It's got to be better. Than Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. So you're confident coming out swinging. It's got to yeah. be better. When you say got to, do you mean, oh, it's going to be or it has to be or else it's going to be a problem? I think a little bit of both, but I do. I believe that it's gonna be like I, I, I Jedi Fallen Order. I think it was a very good game. I really enjoyed that game, but I think that is the. It feels like such a let's set the template for what this franchise could be going forward, right? Like you have the good Souls inspired design, right? But Sekiro inspired design, even though I think it came out. It only came out the same year as Sekiro. Um, you have that. You have some of the Metroidvania ish type level design, but then you also just have this really good really solid story right this really good really solid single player um star wars experience i think there's so much that they lay out in jedi fallen order pretty much most of which can be improved upon right like i remember playing this game at launch and really enjoying it but having things like oh man this game doesn't run that great like this mm -hmm. game is a little bit buggy for a triple a game coming out at launch and i know that stuff has gotten better as we've gotten uh new gen ports and all that stuff but you know they they delayed the game recently and i think that's a good sign toward, hey, we don't want to have that happen again. Like, let's try and get this right the first time as opposed to having to update over time. I think you have that. I think you have the things that they've talked about in terms of some of the design of the levels being a bit more open and explorable and a bit more like, hey, no, you are you, you are exploring this level more, right? You have more, you, we have more space to work with. I think some of that is probably improved by the power of next gen right like we're on the ps5 and xbox series x versus the ps4 and, and xbox one and even just looking at the trailer man like it, for me the thing that really sold me was the game awards trailer of seeing what this game looks like in action let alone hearing or reading through the ign first stuff and then hearing uh barrett talk about it because he's been watching the gameplay videos everything about it just seems better on every single level and it's hard for me to imagine that this comes out any lesser than the than the jedi fallen order 100 agree yeah. yeah, this is gameplay wise. I think it's going to be uh, extremely similar to the changes we saw going from Horizon One to Two, going mm -hmm. from God of War One to Ragnarok. It's it's all about it's hashtag lessons learned, Tim. Mm -hmm. All right, mm -hmm. like you already had a very very solid formula, and now how do we remove the stuff that maybe wasn't so great, and how do we add and implement on the stuff that was really a big hit? And immediately we're seeing. In that trailer that we just saw, grapple sort of movement, like mid-air dashes. I don't think there was, I don't remember there being a whole lot of mid-air dashes, uh, which you add that and you got you got a game of the year contender on your hands, Tim. But also just everything with like, I think so much of what Fallen Order was is like getting the combat to feel good enough while also trying to tell a really meaningful story. And now it's like, I feel like the combat team is like now now let's go now all the ideas we had that we couldn't really fully implement in Fallen Order let's all put that shit in order right in order right here um 
we saw the dude gr- slowing down time, grabbing the stormtrooper and putting the stormtrooper's body into the floating lasers. Like all of that stuff just looks so sick. And mm. yeah, I think this is going to be like 100% a better experience at a better like Metacritic rated game as well. Yeah, I think like echoing what they said, I think that that laying the foundations was great for them because they had a solid game and it was very obvious from a design technical perspective what needed to be improved or added or tweaked to make it a better gameplay experience. I think from a gameplay side, I think Respawn is smart enough as creators and developers to plug those holes for want of a bit of a phrase. But um, I think because of that, there's going to be way more of a focus on the narrative and characterization. And if there's anything that perhaps lets it down, I think it will come from there more than gameplay. Um, I think there's going to be greater scrutiny on it because one, that will be kind of the thing that is most new from a kind of immediate perspective because obviously it's built on the foundations of an older game. So it's going to feel quite similar in a lot of ways. It will have tweaks and stuff. But more of the focus is going to be on the new stuff, which is the story, the characters, the worlds, the environments. And that stuff needs to be kind of top tier for it to kind of uh, not catch a bit of heat for that. On top of that, Star Wars, I'm about to catch some heat myself. Star Wars has been a bit up and down lately. Um, and I think that, obviously, uh, was not Mandalorian's back. Um, Andor, was the one uh, Andor was the one, the thing that people kind of really said was amazing. So we're in a situation now where people are really need Star Wars to be good and hit that level now because Andor has like pushed it higher and Mandalorian excitement is way higher. But also there's a there's more questionable Star Wars content than there is good right now. So I think people are going to be quite on edge to get something that's closer to Andor and Mandalorian. And if it isn't, they're going to be way more vocal about it. Even if it is like a vocal minority, I think they're going to be way louder about it because Star Wars fans are vocal and also they're in a point right now where they're like, it's hitting. If something comes along that makes it not hit, you're letting the team down. Um, so I think there's going to be, like I said, a great amount of scrutiny on the story and characters and that kind of stuff. But from a gameplay perspective, I'm confident in it. And it, even not comparing it to the other mediums, right, that have been shaky, I think something for me personally, like I really love the story uh, for Fallen Order. God, I have to pause because I get Jedi Survivor and Fallen Order mixed up now. Um, and it's such a personal story. Uh, and I just, my fear is that they're going to do the thing that they always do with Star Wars is let's get super big now and like let's expand and uh, do this whole like universe building and i my fear is that they kind of lose that smaller more heartfelt story that they had in the first one so yeah i I agree technically i think it's going to be definitely a bigger improvement and probably like a more fun game because of that but story-wise i'm i'm still a little worried about where we're going yeah i i think that my gut tells me it's going to be better overall and i think that uh I, like we will review it higher overall and mm-hmm. i think when i look back to um star wars jedi fallen order which was our kind of funniest game of the year that year i adored that game a lot it was far from perfect and um i think that some of the things i loved most about that game were how well it nailed the jedi side of star wars and um was uh, was fun combat but it had elements i loved from metroid prime elements i loved from uncharted elements i loved from so many different games kind of put together into one thing it also had elements i don't love about metroid prime and uncharted like the sliding or the map and things like that so i feel like they're definitely going to fix those i don't expect to get as many sliding sections in this game i think that the even in what we saw in the trailer some of the grappling looks a lot more 
fun to control and controllable than it was in the first game of kind of like trying to force grab the vines or whatever the hell. Uh, that stuff just wasn't fun, and it looks fun here. Um, but my two biggest concerns for the new one are it being too open from a gameplay perspective where I liked the smaller levels. The, when they got bigger in uh, Fallen Order, I kind of felt like we were getting lost a lot. Traveling from one place to another was a lot more difficult. They said they're adding fast travel mounts and all that. I don't know that that's the solution to the problem I have with it. So I'm a little hesitant there. And then, yeah, story-wise, it's the first one was so great. And the surprise moments it's had, it had were impactful. And in order to do that, you got to raise the stakes and go higher and more and more and more. And that's kind of where Star Wars starts to fall apart, mm -hmm. I think. So we'll see. I'm hopeful. But I do think at the end of the day, it's going to be a real good time. Plus, I think the first one was punching above its weight with visuals and mm -hmm. everything they wanted to try to get the game to do at launch. And that's why we dealt with i i dealt with a shitload of bugs and oh, just yeah. bad performance problems and obviously whenever a new game comes out you always have an updated engine and new updated lighting models and everything starts to look better but we just have more capable hardware now so yeah god damn Holy Holy shit. Shit. They still even with the next gen patch for fallen order wookies still look so fucking bad damn that looks a little I, too much. Like PS2. I really thought this was a uh, knights of the old republic or something <laughs> yeah like sweater yeah. i don't like that it also looks like god me. I hope <laughs> i'm not a fan of that i hope we get a greasy money baby as long as we get oh, greasy, yeah, money. We get that greasy That's all, money yeah baby. That's all I need. um next up the Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. Will it be better, worse, or the same as Breath of the Wild? Tam, Ooh. start us off. So I'm using precedent for this. And I'm going to probably put it... I think it's going to be like quite poetic in a way. It's going to be quite reflective of Ocarina and Majora. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to be where we're at. Where I think Ocarina was a revolutionary game, right? And it was like a monumental moment in game design and and nintendo's history and i think uh breath of the wild one is equivalent to that in a lot of ways like it's breath of the wild definitely has its issues but in terms of impact and popularity it was on par with what ocarina did in its time majora obviously followed up and it was a very different very divisive kind of game i think it was a considerably more interesting experience but it definitely had its detractors as well because of the whole time loop system and the kind of like the complexities of playing that game was very different from Ocarina of Time, which felt more easy to jump into, if you know what I mean. I think that it's going to be very similar. I think it's going gonna, it's gonna to review well. I think around the same. Um, the same being it got a lot of 10s and 9s. I think it'll probably be more 9s and 8s because it is kind of reusing a lot of the foundation of breath of the wild i think it's going to be interesting to see whether the rest of the stuff is as divisive as majora um i think that's going to be something that people talk about a lot the the kind of world the story that kind of stuff and i don't, I don't know maybe i'm about to say something stupid but like the story wasn't a major thing for me of breath of the wild like i i could take it or leave it like i barely engage with it it was more the gameplay for me I think this time there's going to be a more concerted effort to have a story and tell a story. And it definitely feels like that here. Obviously, there was a narrative in the original game, but it was also kind of loose in a lot of ways. Um, I think this is going to be a more directed and driven story. And again, just like with Jedi Fallen Order, order um, kind of how it's received depends on the strength of that story. I think it's going to be pretty good because they've got a lot of interesting things that they're setting up here. And I'm excited to see where that goes. So I think it's going to review... 
not as high as as uh, Breath of the Wild because that was a revolutionary Breath of Fresh Air kind of moment, but still very high. Nines and eights, I'd say. Plus. Yeah, I tend to agree for the most part, right? I'll still even think nines and tens, but maybe more nines than even a Breath, Breath of the Wild got compared to the amount of tens. Uh, I think it's that tough thing of trying to follow up something that was revolutionary and something that felt so fresh. Going from Skyward Sword, which is a game that a lot of people are, a lot of people didn't love as much as when you think of Prime Zelda, right? Like I would say Skyward probably falls a bit lower on people's Zelda's list. Following that up with Breath of the Wild, which again is ground up, has a different, I'd say more fleshed out art style, has uh, even like narrative stuff where you know, I, I agree that the narrative in Breath of the Wild is a bit more thin, right? And I was there hmm. more so for the gameplay, but I'll even say, like, upon starting Breath of the Wild and playing through it, I was a bit more engaged than my time playing Skyward Sword. Um, and then you get into the gameplay, and yeah, the gameplay felt like just a, hey, let's kick the door open on what Zelda can be and really expand on even how we define puzzles and dungeons and, like, the way we look at that. And I think that worked so well, and I think that hit so hard because we weren't expecting them to go to go that hard with it. Hmm. Coming off of Breath of the Wild, we are expecting, we, we know what to expect, right? We, know, we have this ex expectation of, all right, we know what shrines are. We know what an open world looks like in this structure. Like, we know that this is the sequel to Breath of the Wild. So, like, they're kind of teeing us up for something that is way more of a direct follow-up. Like, we know that's, what's, that's what that's going to be. How do you surprise and wow people with something that is laid out on what it's going to be, right? I think that's the biggest challenge. And... On the review side, I don't think that's as big of a deal just because, like, you know, I don't think reviewers are going to knock it because it's not something fucking crazy and different. But I do think from the way that we receive it as an audience in terms of how we look at groundbreaking or how we look at something that defines the medium, it's almost impossible for it to um, have that same level mm. of impact. Um, so I think with that, right, like, I there's a big chance for me that it lives in Breath of the Wild's shadow. And that said, for me, that doesn't do anything in terms of removing my excitement. I'm still all the way over the moon in terms of how excited I am for Tears of the Kingdom. I think Nintendo probably wants that. Yeah. Like they're probably like, yeah, if we can get it to as close to Breath of the Wild as we can and people are like, oh, it's great, but it's not as good as Breath of the Wild. I think they're probably like, all right, cool. Like we changed the game with Breath 100%. of the Wild. So it's like, if we're close to that again, sweet. Yeah. I think reviews wise in terms of Metacritic, I see it hitting... Either the same or maybe like a points like a point or two below on Metacritic. I don't think it's going to be a drastic gap. It's interesting because having uh, just done God of War and then Ragnarok and having that conversation of like, can it, it was God of War twenty eighteen was such a revolution for the franchise. How can the sequel live up to that? Can it? Whatever. And for a lot of people, myself included, it did. You know, and I do think that that is a little bit different. Where it's uh, on any day, I can pick one or the other and make arguments for why it's better. And that's the place I want to be. And then I kind of think that's where we'll end up here with Tears of the yeah. Kingdom, where like it'll be fairly split i don't think there'll be a unanimous decision on which one's better so i i tend to say same i guess for this but i do think that breath of the wild different than god of war has the chance to be more similar to a portal and portal 2 situation where portal is this revolutionary thing that no one's seen before hmm. and then portal 2 just took everything that was great about it added things that were missing and we're just like hey here's just like the definitive version of that and to me a lot of that is just the the story and the hype connecting in Breath of the Wild. Like Breath of the Wild had really hype moments, but I don't think it had the setup for those hype moments. And like mm -hmm. at the end of the game, scaling the castle with the music playing, like, it was fucking great. When you eventually get the Master Sword, like all that stuff was awesome. But I think that because the way that the it was more lore based as opposed as a, uh, opposed to plot based, um, I think that uh, some of those moments didn't hit as hard as they could. And I think that they can do that in what we've seen in Tears of the Kingdom. If it's 
it, the flow of it is what I expect it to be. And unlike Breath of the Wild, which was mainly focused on flashbacks in the past for the story, if it's more dealing with the present, I think that it could be it could be Portal 2 to Portal 1 levels. Yeah, and I think to that point, too, you know, Tam mentioned that there are things that Breath of the Wild could do better, and I think those that goes back to the Jedi Fallen Order conversation a little bit of, yeah, like, I do think that you could maybe tackle dungeons better in, yeah. in uh, Tears of the Kingdom. You know, like, I, I, I enjoy the shrines a lot, but from the Divine Beast, I still felt like there was something lacking at the end of the day. When you, t when you take those and you compare them to even more of the classic Zelda dungeons. Like I still look at Twilight Princess as the collection of my favorite Zelda dungeons. Uh, and I think you can, I think you can, uh, what was that? You're a man of taste. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. I mean, God, the, the fucking winter dungeon in, in uh, Twilight Princess Amazing. is special. And I think you might be able to capture something like that in Tears of the Kingdom. If that's something that they're looking at, right? How do we take what we did with the shrines and take that, put some of that effort and put that into making these full fledged longer maybe more uh unique inspired dungeons what if instead of we ha having four divine beasts we had a snow dungeon or we had a dungeon that is themed after these crazy concepts like you've had in previous zelda i think that's a place where maybe you can look at there are small things and divisive things like weapon um degradation that people are very split on right like i don't mind it but i could see them maybe tuning that a little bit to make it a bit more tolerable for people that didn't like it right and maybe that does help out a bit on the opposite side of something that might work against it is we now live in a post Elden Ring world. And I talk about how Breath of the Wild is my favorite game of all time, probably between that Mario 64 and Persona 4. Elden Ring, in terms of open world game innovation, like for me, there are monumental games that come through and for me change my, percep my perception of that genre. And like, I look at things like GTA, I look at things like um, Fallout or Skyrim and those, those games, right? For me, uh, Breath of the Wild is one of those, and then the one after Breath of the Wild is Elden Ring. Like, Elden Ring, playing through that game, felt like a, hey, we learned a lot from Breath of the Wild, now let's make it better. <laughs> like, how do we inject fucking cool-ass lore and dope-ass boss fights and dope-ass details and, like, all the dope, exp uh, ex like, explorable um, environments and, like, have it be, like, an a overworld, underworld kind of thing? Like, El Elden Ring really goes for it in a lot of the similar ways that Breath of the Wild went for it, mm. and I think takes that shit further. And I think now that we have that game out, looking at Tears of the Kingdom, you got to compare it directly a little bit. Um, and I think I could see that if Tears of the Kingdom doesn't bring the stuff, I could see that being um, a way in which maybe it falls on the review scale. Hmm. Andy Cortez. Everything you all said. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I, I think it's about the same if they don't add dungeons. Uh, if, they, if what this ends up being is just the Death Stranding... Um, sort of collector's edition or whatever they're, um, what are they called, director's cut, where in the director's cut you get more options for traversing the world. Like, if all we're getting in this game is uh, Breath of the Wild plus your ability to build machines that help you fly and drive on the ground, I don't, I don't think that's enough. And I don't think um, big story moments are important, are, are going to hit for the wider audience like me or Tam who didn't really care a whole lot about the story. It was kind of give or take. Like what made this a 10 out of 10 for me was the world and how you interact with it. And where Elden Ring killed it with open world design, um, Zelda's open world was insanely special because of how all of the elements and physics systems kind of interplayed, it, uh, interplayed with each other. So I think if you keep... Uh, I, would, I don't want to see this. Obviously, we know there's like probably going to be shrines and stuff. Keep the shrines one thing, make dungeons another thing, make them 
sprawling and give us a couple of checkpoints here and there and a couple of mini bosses and then the big boss that you fight at the very, very end. I found the Divine Beast to be pretty lacking uh, in those experiences, like compared to other Zelda experiences. Still pretty neat overall, but I just don't think it was anywhere near as special as like fighting through a grueling two-hour session of going through a yeah. dungeon and getting lost and getting frustrated here and there, but then having big breakthroughs. Like, that's the that's the type of shit I want in this game. And, like, enemy variety as yeah. well. Yeah. Like, uh, I, I played a little bit. Yeah, yeah, like, fighting, like, four different versions of Ganon over again. It's like, those were cool in the moment and figuring out, like, again, like, the physics-based stuff and how to fight them. But then, like, visually, it's just like... I don't know. It doesn't give me the you know the bongo bongo moment from Ocarina of Time and stuff like that. Yeah. Where you can get really cool and weird with enemy variety, which we've seen with uh, the recent trailer, right? Like not boss moments, but just like how they might be shaking things up with enemies. Like hopefully that's uh, uh, a tease of maybe what's to come. I want to move on to Street Fighter Six, baby. I mean, the only place to go is up. It's only <laughs> up, right? Yeah. Like I, I, the only thing holding me back is how much the single-player stuff is going to stink <laughs> and if that's going to affect the review. I think it's going to be good. You think so? I think that single-player is going to be good. And compare it to the single-players that Street Fighter has had, it's definitely going to be more. Like, it's, but more doesn't mean better, and that's I mean, my like, concern. The, the, if you think about it, like Street Fighter 4 single-player was not great. Um, Street Fighter 5 was definitely not great. Like It was just very thin. This feels like they've at least, if they just create a world where they string together these fights, that's automatically better than what it was before. But I think they're going one step further. I don't know for sure, but like, I feel like they're hiding a lot of things about this single player that we aren't aware of yet. Like we've seen Metro City and, and plenty of that. Um, and I think it's, it might be a bit bigger than we realize. I'm waiting for them to be like, also we've got these other cities. Because mm. like, that's what Street Fighter is, right? The like world, you, you're world warriors. You're traveling the world. You're going different places. Like, how do you reconcile like going from Metro City to like Blanca stage in Brazil or something like that? I think there might be something else going on there. But fundamentally, like it looks like it's going to be a little more engaging at the very least than here's a crappy cutscene or a crappy like storyboard that um that they've thrown together to string these matches together. Um, so at the very least, I think that will be good. Um, yeah. And, and also make sure that it's judged against the way Street Fighter V was judged yeah. at launch in 2016. Like, it was seven years ago that Street Fighter V came out. And I, again, as somebody who just loosely followed the FGC, who has friends that are really, really into the FGC, I know that everybody's reception was like, what the... F come, what? This was what... This is what we waited for. Like after all the hype with Street Fighter Four, this is what released, right? Mm. I I know that it took seven years to get Street Fighter Five to where it is now, to where it actually became a really popular fighting game, and it took a Content long rich. Yeah, yeah, it took a long time for people to feel the same way about it in the way that they kind of immediately felt about Four. Um, we we have to judge it against the Street Fighter of how that launched Street Fighter Five, as opposed to like how it took how long it took a game to actually get good after seven years you know what i mean yeah. I, i've played a lot of this game already obviously because i've been at events where it is and i play when i played three fighter five i felt i could feel something was off and when i played three fighter six i could feel that thing was back 
And that you didn't is... have game mode on the TV. The moment I started playing that game, like I was like, yes, they got it. They figured it out. Whatever it was, they found the source again. And it feels good to play at the very least. Whether it has longevity remains to be seen. But like just system wide, system wise, I was like sitting there experimenting, figuring out how they interact, you know, peeling back the layers of it. I remember I was like one of the first people to play Street Fighter uh, uh, 6 and people were tweeting at me being like, can you see if this works? And I was doing it and replying to them. Like the community was like fired up about this. And that is something that I haven't seen since Street Fighter 4 came back, which was following a long like absence long, of Street yeah. Fighter. But when that came back, people were like wild about it. And now it feels similar. We've had Street Fighter for a while, but it's been kind of like a thing that has been you know, reforged into something that's okay and, now. And console exclusive on yeah, PlayStation, yeah. like locked in a way that it, it yeah. shouldn't have been. For this a... is Yeah, this is immediately like, I don't want to say any definitively, but I'm confident in Street Fighter 6. Or... I, I am confident this, that this yeah. will be better than 5, that yeah. it'll review better, that we'll all enjoy it more and all of that. I just, I, yeah. I'm questioning the single players. It the seems like thing. just based off of all of these tests that it's already more loved than Street Fighter V ever that's was. The, that's <laughs> the thing is, like, you know, when they announced Street Fighter VI, I immediately started picking up and playing a lot of Street Fighter V, and then I played I played the beta at Summer Game Fest, and then they've done a couple of closed betas since then, and I've hopped into those closed betas, and I don't want to go back to Street Fighter V yeah. after playing those betas. I'm like, I'll just, I'll just wait till Street Fighter VI <laughs> yeah, gets exactly. here because it's yeah. so fun. And I'm I over, over the time I've become less and less of an arcade mode person when it comes to fighting games. Like I think part of that is Mortal Kombat figured out a story mode so well. Uh, and with the story mode that they're adding uh, for Street Fighter Six, I think for me what what matters is that they're giving me the they're giving me the content to interact with. Right? Give me yeah. give me an interesting way to interact with the world and engage in fights, and that's all I need. I think the core fight gameplay is so fun that. Yeah. Yeah, like, I don't need the open world city thing to be perfect, just as long as it ushers me into, like, a progression system that is fun to chase after and, like, Feeling you know. hype about the next fight. Yeah. yeah. Me being like, oh, yeah, okay, I'm going to go fight Chun-Li now. All right, I got to do whatever weird objectives they give me See, to but do here, it. That's like, my problem. I mean, again, I don't want to harp on too long about this, but, like, mm -hmm. I'm not seeing anything that leads me to believe that it's going to be more fun than just hitting down on a menu and hitting X for the next fight because, like, I think you're going to be just, like, in a very, like, PS3 era way running down linear corridors and, hey, I, I lost five chickens. Can you go collect them? And then you have mm -hmm. to just, like, haphazardly run around to get him before you could face Chun-Li. I just hope it's not that. Yeah. And it kind of looks like it's going to be that. Yeah. I can get, I can understand Shoot that. Shoot five thing. hoops of basketball. I'm like, all right, I'm not all right. <laughs> <laughs> if it's that. like going one-on-one one on one Sean from Street Fighter 3 <laughs> at basketball, I'd be like, hell yeah, let's <laughs> do that. Let's go. <laughs> But uh, I think honestly, like I think where it's going to be at though, in terms of how people receive it, are going to be more so in the fighting mechanics though. Of like, course, of yeah. course, like Metacritic is Metacritic, and I'm sure that can shift up and down. But I think in terms of wide reception, how people are really going to judge it by, like, I it's going to be in how the PvP plays. And already, I think they've already surpassed yeah. SF five, Diablo four. I don't have shit to say about this. Do you? It's another one that I've played, um, and it was the same where like I. Played Diablo 3. I liked a lot of Diablo 3. And I was like, yeah, I get it. It's, it's Diablo. I played uh, the preview of, or a beta, I think it was, or a little bit of Diablo. Um, I think I did anyway. Where, what did I, I can't remember what phase it is, but like, it was. It was there good. have been a lot of There's like been alphas, a lot of and, alphas and, and that kind of and stuff, closed beta. And I was like, okay, this feels like Diablo 2. And that is as much as, that's the best thing you can say about it right now. Um, it's got like the polish of Diablo 3 and like some of the systems of Diablo 3 that they added to it many you know, over the many years. But in terms of like the darkness and the feeling of it, it felt good. Yeah. 
I think it's going to be better. Yeah, I think hype is through the roof for this, and I think it's going to live up to it. Just based on uh, hashtag lessons learned, Tim. You know, like mm -hmm. I, I think Diablo three came out, and still a lot of people loved it. A lot of people fuck with Diablo three, but the hardest of hardcore of that audience was missing the sort of I like like Tam mentioned the darkness of it, the evilness of it all, and I think that this is kind of like doubling down on all that. Just to help with environments and stuff, but I do think that this game just seems to be like any time that there is any sort of Twitter thing happening with it, every one of our peers is just popping off about Diablo 4 and wanting to get in and wanting to play this new beta, wanting to get into this new testing. I think this will definitely rate higher than Diablo 3. It, it's interesting how it can kind of compare to Street Fighter 6, where 5 was kind of exclusive to PlayStation and that limited it, whereas 4 was, I think, a much bigger success for Street Fighter. And like it was uh, very much a like um, re-entry point for, hmm. for Street Fighter as a franchise and fighting games, honestly. Yeah. like they, It really kind of brought them back there um, into like the main mainstream appeal of genres in video games but with D diablo it's interesting because diablo 2 was such a, a mega hit on pc but didn't really have any console presence and then diablo 3 even though it wasn't the fan favorite game it's definitely like the widest appeal game because mm -hmm. of how many people the greg millers of the world playing it on console for the first time so i think diablo 4 is kind of like best of both worlds yeah. all together where it's like the diablo 2 fans being like oh no, no no you thought 3 was good wait for this but then also the greg millers are, that played 3 are gonna play 4 yeah yeah so they just need to deliver <laughs> which they, it seems like they're going to they really figured out diablo on consoles like the reaper of souls like it's still available like that they made that work and it was like oh this is genuinely awesome on consoles which is uh, many many years ago if you had told me pre diablo 3 that there's going to be a console version of it i'd say there's no way that works but it does and like if they're taking all those lessons learned into um four it's going to be a big deal yeah the only Diablo game I, I played a lot of was Diablo 1 on PlayStation 1. Mm -hmm. That's why I don't play Diablo anymore. Oh, yeah, that's a bad one. You know, <laughs> I just never want, every time I would walk by the box set at Sam's Club, Scary. I'd say Diablo 2, or maybe it was Diablo 1. No, it was more of like, I didn't want my mom to think the games were like demonic. Like, you know, <laughs> yeah. like, it was on video games. Yeah, no. like they heard me listen to a System of a Down song where it said, where angels deserve to, d to die, and my dad was like, Miko, you can't be listening to him. <laughs> That's bad. Leave <laughs> <laughs> the angels alone. Let's move on. That was my parents with Yu-Gi-Oh. They were not. They did not like the Yu-Gi-Oh cards. Right? That's so fucking yeah. funny. <laughs> when they you, thought they were monsters, they're like, "No, we're not doing that." Why is this magician got titties? <laughs> oh yeah. Oh man. Um, we got uh, Final Fantasy 16. That is gonna better than 15. Absolutely yeah. gonna pop off. Yeah. yeah, I think that's gonna be huge. And like we had our preview, got every like you had Hiam on this. Everything I've heard is like it's great. It is so good. I can't um, wait. I'm, I'm so, so excited. excited. Yeah. Desperate. Like uh, the only thing that like how the story comes together is gonna be interesting. I think it's gonna have a good story. See, the thing is though. The story is a, a huge thing. I mean, that's my the thing yeah. I want to be good the most, and I'm hopeful for, and whatever, and little trepidations on right now from talking to Michael. However, there's no way it's not at least yeah, as good as 15 like, story. Yeah, <laughs> even 15 story, like uh, 15 isn't my favorite Final Fantasy story. Still interesting though. It's in, like, the it's, thing about I love the the story. I hate how they do it. Like the execution I, is, I, is yeah. D tier, I think. I, I played that game and I thought the story was whatever. And then I reluctantly watched Kingsglaive. 
The story in that is absolutely popping off. It is really good. I was like, why didn't you do this do as this the in game? The fucking game. It's crazy good. Like in comparison to the 15 story, I was like, this is way better. But I think like the team behind this is, I mean, the MMO has got the best Final Fantasy storyline in many, many years. So if it's that same team and it is, like, I think that it's it's fair to raise your expectations for the story. Um and the setup already is pretty interesting. You know, these Guardian Forces summons icons as like basically uh, allegories for nuclear weapons in this like political um, struggle between. It's like really cool. very, very clever and yeah. very, very cool. And it's like, oh, they want to do like a Game of Thrones style thing. Oh. I'm, yeah, I am, I'm oh, like, yes. I, am, I think it's going to definitely be better than 15, but will it hit the high bar of Final Fantasy stories, which is, you know, the peak is obviously 10. <laughs> I love you. I love you so much. <laughs> Let's go, baby. <laughs> the only thing that worries me is like, is the theme going to be as good as um, "Stand by Me" by was it Florence, Florence the Machine? The machine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like I never played Final Fantasy 15, but I did listen to that a lot. Uh, that was, that was fire to this yeah. day. A lot. I love that. I don't so know good. if there's a game I'm looking forward to more this year. Yeah, like it's really, definitely. I mean, dude, it's I, up I'm there so me. hyped on it. Yeah, I, I think just. Technically, it's going to be a, a goddamn masterpiece when you have it on your TV and it's looking gorgeous and all the. Uh, Maybe this is the one I buy an OLED for, y'all. Maybe this oh. is the one I finally buy an OLED TV I mean, for. Final Fantasy VII Remake won our Game of the Year 2020. Do you think Final Fantasy 16 gets it in 2023? Oh, I think no. it's very unlikely. I, but, uh, but, I mean, there's a, there, a lot of us are going to play it, and if it's we're as some nerds. good as we expect What's the game that everybody's going to play the most at kind of funny? Breath of the Wild. There's going to be a whole or, bunch or of yeah. Spider-Man 2. Breath of the Wild. Like, oh there's a lot of games that we're all Let me tell you about Starfield, all right? <laughs> oh, my God. Um, uh, yeah, I, I think that this will definitely rate higher than Fantasy, Final Fantasy 15, and I'm just so excited for the darker, more sinister, evil shit. Like, I, I understand Final Fantasy games need some whimsy, and that's what Michael Hyam was like. Oh, give us the whimsy. I I enjoy whimsy every once in a while. I really really want like like this little kid getting blood in his face from the dude getting slashed in front of him. Give me more of that shit, dude. The only thing that annoys me about Final Fantasy 16 of everything I've what? seen so far is this motherfucker's name is Clive. I fucking can't deal with I it. I cannot man. deal with that shit, man. I really can't, man. Like I hate so I always Clive, think I stand up for you out there. For if for every Clive <laughs> listening to this podcast I'm with you. I just it reminds me of when I was like in school and I was doing acting classes and drama and that kind of stuff and we'd come up with this elaborate story and everyone would be assigned a role and actors and that kind of stuff and then the character names would come out and it'd be like your name is John. And I'm like, what the f do I look like a John? You? Like give me something better. Like this I don't dude's know if any I don't know if anybody looks like a Clive though, you know. I mean like give this guy a Whatever this guy looks like, I It's don't not like. Clive. Yeah. It's like, oh, come on, like, Ramza is a name from Final Fantasy's history. Tidus, Squall, Cloud, Oren, yeah. You know what I mean? Even a Leon, just give me a fucking Leon. Yeah, yeah, we got, we got a buddy Clive. All right, man. Noctis is a cool name, man. Noctis is a great name, dude. You and Alaska. Come on. Come on. All right, anyways, moving on. Marvel Spider-Man 2. Interesting. Game. It's tough, right? Because like, what do you do? Like, they did Spider Man, and it was great, and we loved you so much. You take away about the Mary it. Jane sneaking part. That, that's the thing. You take those things. You make out. the open world stuff less tedious, less lame. I'd say, like, uh, when I talk about the open world, like, yeah, the open world side quests, like, yeah. uh, not going to shut down satellites and having to stay beneath the ceiling of whatever. Like, it was just there was a lot of really lame ass side quests, man. Like. And I just kind of really enjoyed swinging around the world and the rest of fighting 
any sort of baddies that were around the, the buildings felt started to get very samey for me. Um, I think there are definite ways to improve upon that, and I have full confidence that they will yeah. improve upon that. You do? Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting because I think Insomniac are an incredible studio, obviously. Like, between the first Spider-Man game and then Miles, they've like... No, I disagree. <laughs> <laughs> between those, those two games is great. But also, which Insomniac are we getting? Because they're also making Wolverine. Like, I'm not sure which team is, is on this. Not to say, like, everyone isn't there super, you know, kind of, like, uh, amazing. But, like, I feel like they need to do more with this. And I don't know if, if where that kind of, like, division of labor is. Can they really go hard on this one? I think from a gameplay standpoint, it's going to be solid. Like, even if you replicate the first Spider-Man, that shit was so fun. That, like, just doing that, again, is, is going to be amazing. But, like, I wonder where they're going with... I, I think there's going to be a, a much darker story. And I think it's going to be a lot of risk in that. And I feel like if you go darker and you have this story, it's got to live up to at least the story of the last game, which is beloved by a lot of people. But like, there's some points of failure in the narrative that could be there. Um, I think it's similar to what we did with, uh, we said with Jedi. It's like mechanically, I think they know exactly what they need to improve. And design-wise, I think they know the things that were kind of like letting it, the original down or like uh, hampering it. And then it always going to rest on the story and character and that kind of stuff again. Um, I, yeah, I, I was going to say that I think that uh, I think they only have some points to lose because we've already seen an amazingly rendered New York. Yeah, and we've already swung around an amazingly rendered New York at and, least twice. And yeah. Twice, yeah. And there's not like I think because of how great those games looked, and because those games came out on PC and looked even better, and we saw them in higher fidelity at higher frame rates, that I don't know how much room there is for improvement there that'll, uh, that the general audience will be able to notice it. Of course, I'm going to watch a digital foundry breakdown on it and tell me where all of the shadows and shaders started getting puddles, improvements puddles at. Right, yeah, yeah where all yeah, the puddle improvements and the volumetric fog. But I think because those older games looked as incredible as they did, that wow factor might be gone now. And now how do you wow in the other areas? And that's that's gonna be a tough task. I think. I, I think the the fidelity factor of like how good it looks and how how good it can look, I I don't think that's where you like really go ham and like separating Spider Man two from Spider Man one and Miles Morales. Just cause like both of those games have PS five versions as well. Yeah. yeah. Right. So like how are you gonna push that further? I'm sure this game will look marginally better, right? But I think really is going to come down to a lot of design. You know, you make the um, Jedi Survivor versus Jedi Fallen Order um, comparison, mm -hmm. right? And I think I think you even push that further from even, like, the gameplay of it. Because I do think the gameplay, Spider-Man feels as Spider-Man as Spider-Man can feel in these games. Like, you can't, I don't think you can make the swinging feel any yeah. better. Yeah, I, like, I don't think you can make the punching feel any better. I, I think it, I, it will come down to, like, maybe world design and like, mission design, like Andy was talking about, and then taking out, like, Taking out all, all the flaws that people saw in Spider-Man 1, like the Mary, Mary Jane missions and like the weird puzzle science shit that you would do, and then even in Miles Morales, making the story feel bigger and more fleshed out, right? Like, I think there are story improvements you can make. Spider-Man 1 had the weird uh, last act where the... I don't I won't spoil it, but like the last third of that game gets wild in a way that I don't yeah. think is great. Um, fast. Yeah, yeah. And I think, I think if you hone that in, if you figure out pacing of the story better, and like you have characters like Venom in the trailer, yeah, and, sit um, with your villains more. Yeah, yeah sit with your yeah. villains more and develop them more because you have what Venom and then um, Hunter guy Craven. Craven. Um, those are dope ass villains to have. Craven Moorhead. Craven, Craven Moorhead. Yeah. <laughs> God. Tim. 
Um, Are you sure you you want to say whatever you're about to say? I, no, I, I'm I'm gonna say like I think the combat is great, but I definitely feel like there's room for improvement. And I think here's my prediction. Just shit talk it. Just shit. Talk. No, no, no. Here's my prediction. <laughs> I, I I like the combat in the original. Here's my prediction. You play as two Spider Men at the oh, same time. That's the other thing I was gonna mention. At like, the same time. I think I think remember when Batman uh, Arkham games where you had the whole you play as Batman, you kick an uh, enemy into the air. And then oh, so God of War jumps, jumps in, and yeah, God of War. So I feel like you play as Peter and Miles at the same time. No, like press God circle, and then like Miles style. does a. Yeah, you're not switching between characters in God of War. I don't think you'd switch between. Yeah, you, you I think I think it will like be similar, where it's like you, you know, you set up a, a combo with Miles, and and Miles will jump in. Or if you're playing as Miles, maybe you switch the character at some point. Like or he's or Miles is swinging up, yeah, yeah. hitting dudes as well. But then you have. Yeah. That one ability that then utilizes Miles to like freeze the dude and then you hit him or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Because it feels like two villains, Craven and and uh, Venom, like At least. feels like you, and they they're both kind of like top tier villains for Spider Man. Like I guess like Craven's not as big, but like I don't Venom, think you don't get bigger. Uh, yeah, you don't get bigger than Venom, and also I don't think you dispose of Craven in the same way that you do like Rhino or whatever in 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 previous games. So I feel it like having that duality of like two villains versus two superhero, uh, you know, heroes. I think that's kind of our clue that you're going to be controlling two characters at the same time. Also, like from a development perspective, it makes sense because like they have that kind of knowledge with God of War as well. Like I wouldn't be surprised if they were like, "Hey, how did you do this Atreus stuff? Mind telling us? Like we got a whole Spider-Man setup that we want to work on with that." I know it's cheesy, also, but like the game is called Spider-Man Two. Yeah. Right, like yeah. I think there's something you can do with that in terms of hey, Spider-Man One was Peter Parker's game. Spider-Man, Spider-Man, also. But yeah, like we had Spider-Man as well. We had the Peter Parker game. We had the Miles Morales game in the debut trailer for Spider-Man Two. We saw them both right side by side. We yeah. saw the two masks, and I think that says something. I yeah. think that could be what you're talking about in terms of yeah, what if we are controlling both at the same time, or what if we're switching between characters? What if you're swinging alongside miles and you press a button and then you could like leap into the air and like grab miles and throw him further and like have each other's like he can use his web to swing you around and you're literally like, describing no, no, way no way home yeah exactly <laughs> that kind of stuff like yeah. that would be so good that would be awesome and yeah that's my thing even if they added all that i think that at the end of the day this is probably going to be the same i think it's going to be yeah. an eight out of ten and i say that with spider-man being one of my most replayed and one of my most loved favorite games of all time it's just fun like to this day i'll boot it up and just swing around new york because it's fun to swing around new york i love that even after i've 100 percented it there's still random fucking goons that'll just uh pop up and like you hear the the cop car go by and you're like i guess i'm gonna take you motherfuckers out and i fuck them up because i'm powered <laughs> up but i love that and I, I as long as they just deliver more i think it'll be good i just really struggle to think it's going to be better like i think that they because to me the better would be the story and you talking about the last third and like the, some of the villains they kind of blew their load i think a little bit mm -hmm. um and i i don't have full faith that they're going to totally nail all those things in a way that I'm, i can say it's better but i do think it's going to be just as good and i think that the story in spider-man is one of the best spider-man stories yeah. ever and i say that as somebody who thinks spider-man is the best superhero there is i've read thousands of spider-man comics and watched almost all the shows like yeah. i fucking love this character and they really did it right the the most exciting part of it is i reckon i mean this is a very obvious thing wolverine will be in that game i think this is the start of them setting up their universe um, i think you will you'll have some connective tissue to the wolverine game there it I makes too much Dare sense you see daredevil <laughs> Oh that would God. be pretty good. <laughs> I'll pop for Daredevil, yeah. Yeah. I think Wolverine oh, will be in a newspaper. I think you'll read a thing about like a guy in Canada and he has claws. 
Yeah, maybe. Is it, it is do we know if Wolverine's in modern day also? Is that like a is he in the same time period? I, I think I think in that trailer it was kind of I think it was like a seventies or eighties thing or I I know that doesn't really matter for Wolverine because yeah. man just be living. Yeah. He just but lives, bro. He just lives forever. Yeah. World War Two, doing stuff. It makes Stays too around. much sense for them to not do it. Like it has to it has to happen. Damn. I'm high, baby. Let's go. Um Andy, Hollow Knight Silk Song. Oh man. Um ah, I'm going to say that this is going to No, there's no way it could rate higher than Silk Song than than the original. Cuz I think the original was such a kind of cool eye-opening experience for a lot of people who wanted to try out a brand new Metro Metroidvania that gave you sort of the same level of difficulties that you'd expect in in a Souls-like um I don't think it rates higher than the original. I think that the original was so... I, I think this is going to suffer like what I was just mentioning Spider-Man is going to suffer from, where it's like, we've already seen this already. Like, <laughs> essentially, you're getting a new playable character. I think this is going to be, a, I've said it before, like a much better version of what we saw with playing as the King Knight expansion or the Plague Knight expansion for Shovel Knight. You're getting uh, a lot of similar similar worlds, but new mechanics and new ways of moving around the world because you're playing as uh, as a completely different character. I don't think it rates as high, but I think it's still going to be kind of like Breath of the Wild, where Breath of the Wild was nines and a lot of tens. I think this will be eights and a lot of nines. I mean, I feel like you get a lot of extra mileage out of having a improved like map system out of it. And even if, for me, I'm like... The one thing I didn't like about Hollow Knight was that map system. It really pissed me off. Like I, and it's also why I dropped it. Like I've never finished that game despite enjoying it, um, just because I was like, this map system is tedious. It was very tedious. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's annoying. And I feel like if they just, even if it has like the same kind of gameplay on that level, and then a better map system and a little more discovery, that kind of stuff. More quality of life. Yeah, sort it's, of it's. I think I feel like that pushes it a bit higher, even. But I reckon on par with currently. Also, I. At a certain point now, we're expecting some sort of twist in that gameplay, right? Like, it's been in development for so long that it feels like they have something extra beyond what we... An equivalent of, like, an upside-down castle or, like, you play as another character on top of this or something major that will be like, wow, this is why it took so long. I don't know. I, I think that it just was the, the, the need to keep on growing what the product was because I think its initial yeah. idea was that Silk Song was going to be a smaller sort of expansion, and then it just kind of outgrew. Similar to what we had with what you know Corey Barlog has talked about with Ragnarok, how that mm. was supposed to be a sort of small thing, and then it kind of expanded and it was like way bigger than they thought it was going to be. I think that's why Silk Song has taken so long. Yeah, I think I would love that. I, I mean, think there's something more to it. Obviously, it's taking long because it's a small development team. And yeah, like yeah, they changed how it is, and like development is not easy and. But I think there's 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 a certain I think there's a magic trick they're gonna pull with that that we're not aware of yet. I think it's gonna end up or... more like Cuphead DLC. Yeah, where it's like it was DLC, but like it was half a game, but it was like more than people expected, but not a, enough to be like a full on thing. Has All Night Silk Song been pitched as a full game or as like a DLC expansion? It's a it's, it's a, a full, game. full yeah. game. It's a full it's sequel. sequel. Yeah. But I think yeah. at one point it was going to be just... Yeah, it started off as a yeah. kind of like expansion almost. Which is why people have been talking about it for so long. Yeah. 
Hollow Knight on PC, by the way, 87 on Metacritic and 90 on Switch. Damn. I could. I mean, I do see your case though, Dan. That making yeah. those smaller quality of life improvements to make yeah. the experience a bit easier and less like worry more about the difficult bosses and difficult enemies and don't worry so much about the the toughness in getting around this world because yeah. I got lost plenty. That's a hard game to stream. God damn. Yeah, I, like I would get I lost streamed, and I'd be like, I streamed it as well, and I yeah. was like, I can't do I'd this. Like, it was a mistake. This is yeah. hard for me. Like it, it, it was a blast in the boss fights because they're so intense and they are just so beautifully designed. Not only just the the enemy look and everything, but at, at what the game is asking of you mechanics wise. But man, it is it is tough it's to rough. kind of. It's easy to get lost and especially with me and just getting distracted all the time. It's yeah. really rough. I, I made the same mistake with Metroid Prime, where, like, my first time playing playing this new version, I streamed it, and I was like, oh, this is a mistake. I got, <laughs> I got 50 minutes into the stream, and after getting stuck for, like, the eighth time, I'm like, no. That's me with <laughs> Destiny, because I'm just doing the Fran Mirabella thing, bless. I'm just in my in menus, menus, and I love it. <laughs> like, I, it's not even, like, a bad thing. I love tuning things, and it's just really tough to do. I want to close out the show with one more. Mm -hmm. kind of taking all of 2023 into consideration starfield will it be better than now here's the thing but that's this last game fallout 4 this is also, not gonna 76. Count also 70s okay but in terms i, I feel like it. in terms of like what this is the follow-up to i would say fallout 4 is i think it's gonna be better than fallout 4 10? i think it's in like too big to fail territory like they cannot have this game. It's like let me, let me tell you about Cyberpunk uh, twenty seventy six. That's a good point. Those are two very good points. Um, but I, I think like I feel like even based on what we've seen so far, it's gonna be a better game. Like Fallout Four was more divisive than three. I think in a lot of yeah, like, people, yeah, one hundred. So like because um, yeah, I like that game too. A lot of people, yeah, a lot they, of people. I think it was the fact that like it came out and it was great, but it wasn't like I think three. I would say was some extent revolutionary at least yeah. for the franchise it, it felt the problem was it felt quite plain off in new vegas as well like because people always forget new vegas but like that is secretly the best fallout of mm -hmm. the new era um and i uh, after playing that going into four it was a little more like mm, expectations were super high and it for some parts of it it hit for others it didn't um but i think like the, the divisive nature of fallout 4 means that a good game has a very strong chance of being like, you know, performing way better. I think this is already, like, it's clear, like, it's more ambitious than Fallout ever was. It's clear that they have worked on the tech, which is going to go a long, long way. Um, Fallout 4, like, despite being a better-looking game than the previous Fallouts, still very much felt dated in a way, in a bunch of ways, um, in, 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 this, in that classically Bethesda Game Studios way that is, like, both charming and annoying. Um, but this feels like it's it's kind of like built on new technology. They clearly have more ambition to it. I feel like it's going to perform way better. I think it's going to be received better as well. Lessons learned. Lessons, Lessons learned. learned. Yeah. This is the game I'm most anticipating this year that I'm also the most scared about. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm so like excited. And I'm so like curious and I want to play this game so bad. But I'm also, I think I this has the biggest, has the biggest chance to not be great at the end of the day. And that... It's for a number of reasons, right? And I think the thing I keep coming back to is the big three when I think of uh, that. I think of when I think of Western RPGs, which would be um, uh, CD Projekt Red, Bethesda, uh, and um, Mass Effect Anthem, Bioware. Um, Bioware. Yeah, they've all had big failures with like yeah. their pr latest projects. And the further we go, the more I have the thought of: Is it just impossible at this point to yeah. put out a, a big AAA? 
expansive um, Western RPG because whether it's expectation or whether it's budgets or whether it's technology is hard to keep up with because of the power of what we have and like trying to live up to all that. I don't know what the answer is, but it's been a while since we've gotten a fucking banger one of these. Um, mm. Like, you know, I played Fallout 4. I really enjoyed Fallout 4. I played Outer Worlds. Outer Worlds, you know, less with yeah. scope and whatever, but I enjoyed that game a lot too. I'm hoping to get at least that level of enjoyment out of this, right? I played Cyberpunk and I enjoyed Cyberpunk. Um, but like none of these are the next big step for like Western RPGs. And I don't think Starfield even has to be that. It just has to live up to solid. what a Bethesda RPG is, right? It has to be solid. It has to be expansive. It has to have a story that is fire. It has to have a faction system that we fuck with right and like you know they're i think they're going for that with a new ip that looks interesting has this weird different nasa uh kind of style to it and i think has like a lot of promising things to it but then also has other things where you know we look at the gameplay and they get into some of the no man's sky breaking down materials like scanning type stuff and i'm like oh interesting okay that's different you mm -hmm. look at the combat and it's first person per first person shooter stuff and it's like okay like this looks this looks like a bethesda game right like this this looks like something but None of it so far has blown me away where I'm like, oh, let's freaking go. I can't wait for this. There have been like the sit downs that they've had talking with each other where Todd Howard and the, the crew is talking about like things like factions and things like story mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh, okay, this does sound interesting, but I don't know. I'm so scared. Like I, I've, yeah. I've not been completely sold on it yet, but I won. I'm like, I'm looking forward to it because it's Bethesda and I know what to expect with that. I think the immersive nature of getting caught up in really awesome side quests is kind of what I need the most from Starfield. Yeah. I, I feel like the main story take it or leave it for me. Like I may or may not care about the 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 grander uh, scale of what's happening in the main story. I just love in those moments, like in games and uh, like Outer Worlds or any other RPGs, where you just come across a really interesting NPC who asks something f from you, and then you continue down that mission, and you're getting like the most intense dialogue or just really like you're discovering I, i'll never forget this one npc in outer worlds um asked me for something and then it ended up uh i ended up finding out that this dude had uh abandoned all of his crewmates that he was telling me that they were like his family and this dude left them because he needed to leave the planet but without them and he felt really really awful about it but he's also a shitty person mm -hmm. and like it's those moments of like, which side of humanity are you going to side with? Are you going to try to kill him because you know that he did wrong? Are you going to talk shit to him because you know he did wrong? Or are you going to sympathize with this broken person in front of you? Like, it's that sort of shit that I need from Starfield. And I really hope that they deliver on that front. Do you, do you, how, how do you think this launches in terms of how it runs? Because Bethesda, notorious for putting out big games that have a lot of bugs to them. Lessons will not be learned. <laughs> <laughs> I, it kind of depends on this. I feel like we're finally at the stage where they getting, they, they have something to prove and they want to prove it. Hmm. So like Creation Engine too, I feel like they've probably done a lot of work to be like, let's get this as rock solid as we can so we can finally hear, stop hearing about how busted our games are. But it also, I'm not 100% clear on the scale of this game completely because like you know there's exploration and planets and that kind of stuff but like how big is it and the bigger it is the more chance like that it's going to start falling over and falling over itself so like we've got like planet stuff here and moving around so it kind of really depends on that and then the systems that are in place i think it's going to be a better experience overall but i also feel like it's going to have some of that 
classic jank. Here's the thing, right? Look at this Mass from, Effect scanning planets. Yeah. <laughs> from Tech Radar, according to the Starfield official gameplay reveal trailer, there are over 100 systems with over 1,000 planets, which are all this open. This game's busted. <laughs> it's never worked. <laughs> which are all open for you to explore. And you got to imagine that a good amount of those are procedurally generated. Yeah. But then we get back into the No Man's Sky thing of, like, is that going to be good content? Like, what does that look like? Am I going to those planets to mine material so I can upgrade certain weapons and then go to the actual, what do they call planets? Like, unicorn planets or, like... I forget the name of it. There's a name for planets yeah. that like give birth to life. The yeah. ones that are like... Uh, I think it is a unicorn planet. Unicorn planet? Yeah. Like I, I, w what I'm hoping is... Well, what I'm expecting, like you just mentioned, is that a lot of these are procedural, but I would love for some of these, pr even procedural ones, the ones that aren't extremely designed to at least have an important outpost that we need to visit with an important NPC, where the rest of the world may not be extremely handcrafted, but it still has some level of importance, and yeah. it isn't just running around looking for materials and scanning for a rare unobtainium or whatever. <laughs> I typed in unicorn planet on Google. <laughs> Is that a band? <laughs> what are you watching? Man? <laughs> and I will brought up fucking Charlie the unicorn shit. <laughs> planet unicorn came up. Yeah, it is this fucking animated inter internet video. Goldilocks planets. Thank you. Oh, oh, that's, that's what, what it is. is. Michael yeah. says round robin. <laughs> that's what it is. I Let's love it. Let's just use his terms, man. It's great. It's great. I'm close. I'm close. You know what? You know what I meant. What is that unicorn planet? Well, that's 2023, y'all. Tim. Thank you for joining us. Where can people find you? Thank you for having me. You can find me at GameSpot and Giant Bomb. I'm on Twitch, uh, twitch.tv forward slash Tomorrh. You season of Valorant. Oh, let's go. Let's go. I'm always in there. Counter Strike 2. Yeah, I'm down. Um, I'm at Tomorh on Twitter and Instagram as well. So come and follow me. Yeah, go follow him, everybody. And then let us know in the comments below what lessons you've learned. Okay? Or maybe not. Whatever you prefer. <laughs> I'm not your dad. Spider-Man. Uh, I love you all. Goodbye.